This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. My dears, my darlings, my listening loves, welcome to The Wine Situation Season 5, Episode 1. I'm back, baby. Who am I? What's the wine situation? What the hell is all this? Why is it a new season? All will be explained. Just know that you. I had said I was going to take a few weeks off, not necessarily planning a new season, but I'm rather a new me. I am a phoenix. Who am I, though? I'm Ellen Clifford. L. Clifford, if you will. I know a lot of stuff about wine. I've taken a lot of classes about wine. I got some certifications. I have more ones coming. I write about wine. And I'm back, baby. I'm a new me. It is a new season. Sadly, (laughs) the wine situation at large is that we still are not able to drink wine with all that many people, at least not safely, not while there is a pandemic going, not while the future of this country is still greatly at stake of the election. Ugh, I won't even get into it. Guys, this might be a slightly more serious episode. Anyway, the thing is, the wine situation is we're doing a lot more drinking alone, and I am here to drink with you, educate you, amuse you, and today (laughs) tell you an epic tale or two. We'll see. Um, uh, you know, besides being about wine and the situation surrounding it, more and more this is becoming a, uh, a podcast about, you know, life being goth. It's full of segments and tangents. Tangents and segments. That will never change. I, Elle Clifford, the Phoenix, I'm repeating myself, and I, I hope it's not disrespectful to call myself a Phoenix, um... I'll explain why soon. Perhaps you'll understand. Um, I will also explain a few. You know, last season I switched it up a little because A, I was recording all by myself, which I'm still doing. uh, And B, I, you know, added all sorts of new segments and tangents. And also I was featuring wines made by women. I'm going to switch stuff up a little bit for season 5.1 because life is new. And as I said, I'm back, baby. I gotta stop saying that. How are you doing? How are you doing? Please, for the love of everything, find me on Instagram. L. Cl- I, I think my, the name that says when you go to my page is L. Clifford, because I'm going by L more and more. E-L-L-E. Although some people see it and call me Ellie, and I was like, I'm either Ellen or L, not Ellie. Nothing wrong with being called Ellie. That's just not my name. Um, you can find me by, uh, you know, searching Ellen Clifford on Instagram. You can find the wine situation on Instagram. You know, send me a message. Tell me what's up. If you don't use Instagram, I'm also on Facebook. I, you can also email <laughs> wine situation, not the wine situation, just wine situation at gmail.com. You know, all the things. If you're listening to this, you, you probably have my number by now. I don't know. I'm, I like to talk to people. Oh God. There's so much going on right now. So what I'm going to do is before I go too deep, I'm going to give you today's agenda. And we'll go from there. 
So the agenda is uh, we are going to have the good old who, what, when, where, why, wine game that actually is a game today. The little thing where I drop clues throughout the episode for you to guess what the wine is before the end of it. Uh, We are going to have an explanation of this uh, new beginning and why I'm the phoenix and the the new theme. Um, Yeah. We are going to drink a delicious wine together. I mean, I haven't had this exact one yet, but I've had this winemaker. I have had their different blends, and God, this wine both looks and smells gorgeous. So we're we're gonna ch- so we're gonna taste this wine together, and then I have I am so lucky. Uh, the drunk dial, which is not actually drunk these days, because I usually end up doing it during the day, because half the time I'm talking to people on a different coast. Anyway, I got Cha McCoy to answer my final five questions today, and it's probably. I, I'm not doing as many other segments today because we, I she, she was so generous with her time. Cha McCoy is an amazing sommelier, wine educator. Just uh, she's she's everything. You guys, I'm so excited to have her. Uh, so yeah, that's the agenda for today. So I'm gonna kick things off with you know we have a lot we have quite a few clues to get through. So I'm gonna give you your who before I go into explaining why this podcast is going to be the way it is. Your who is a possibly, probably, but we don't know, but possibly unfortunate French seaman. Seaman. Good lord. Guys, a French seaman. (laughs) That's all I'm giving you right now. Go with that. Okay, so as I said, new focus for this podcast uh, last last year, last season, which wasn't even a year ago, but as I said, this is a new beginning. It was, uh, I was featuring wines mostly by women. I, yeah. Um, I want to open things up a little bit here, so it's going to be basically anything but like straight white men making the wine. Uh, still probably a lot of women-made wines, But also, guys, just sometimes because, guys, the goth in me has never gone away. And I've been having a lot of... I'm working on an article right now for for Halloween about goth wines. So I'm going to be featuring uh, some wines that I find particularly goth. uh, Especially if they are made by women or not straight white guys. But there might be a wine that's just in there because it gives me so much joy because it's gothic. Why am I so gothic, you might be wondering. Perhaps it's because of my rather not tragic, but almost tragic life. Okay, so this is why I get into why it's a new season, why I'm a phoenix. Okay. (laughs) I don't even know what order to put all this stuff in, guys, so bear with me. I'll try not to be too serious. I'm sorry if this is a less funny podcast. Hopefully it's at least interesting. The least I can do is amuse you, even if it's not funny amusement. Oh, good lord. Okay, so, um, I've had uh, quite a few circumstances in my life that were, you know, I might not have come back from, starting from, like, <laughs> from before I was even born. There were some, some issues. But, yeah, you know, I lived through that. I lived through a life-threatening, like, literally, I wrote a memoir that I'm trying to get published called I Heard a Rumor I Was Dead, because I did. I lived through that. I... 
um, lived through a traumatic brain injury 10 years ago. More on that in a second. Anyway, about a year ago, my uh, hypnotist, Reiki healer, uh, potter person gave me this necklace that has a, that she'd made that has a phoenix on it. And she was like, this is for you, it's a phoenix. And I was like, is this because? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, because I've come back. I've come back a lot. And wearing this necklace always makes me feel strong. Like I said, I hope this isn't, because I know it's like, I hope this isn't cultural appropriation for me to wear a phoenix, but I, the legend of the phoenix rising from the ashes is something that I, I just, I really, it resonates with me based on my life. Um, yeah, so anyway, I, I was given this necklace like a year ago. Earlier this year, uh, I gave this to my love because he was having um, s some stuff going. I mean, it was, it's been a bad year, guys. It's been a year of change, too, but I just, I was like, you know about the Phoenix, right? And I want this to, you know, you can hold this, you can hold on to this. But I also warned I may need it back at some point. Um, so, okay, back to that brain injury 10 years ago. Uh, I'm not going to get into the hardcore details of it because that's probably like my part two <laughs> memoir. Um, anyway, one of the problems besides a messed up memory that came with this injury was that my body wasn't holding on to sodium whatsoever. My kidneys were just draining my body of sodium. Uh, for months after it, I drank only Gatorade, things with electrolytes because, you know, um, if your sodium drops below a certain level, you can, you can have a seizure. Uh, so over the last 10 years, you know, eventually I transitioned back to water, although I still liberally would salt my food because I'm like, look, my problem is usually that my sodium, like every year I get a blood test and they're like, your sodium's, it's acceptable, but it's low. Just know that. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, so I figure I use a ton of salt. I'm all good. A few weeks ago, it was, it was a really hot day. And guys, this is it's kind of an epic tale of what happened, what went down, because it was so weird and so surreal and dramatic, and there were so many crossed messages, and I so could have died. Um, I, I, it was a hot day. I hadn't eaten all day. I guess I was drinking a ton of water. Um, all I know is that I found myself alone, and I didn't know what was going on, but I felt worse than I had ever felt in my life, and I did not... I, I did not know that I had, uh, they think, probably just had a seizure. All I knew is I was very confused and I was alone and I didn't know where the person, uh, my pandemic person, my love had gone. And I, they, they, they told me they'd gone to a meeting. So I, I think I tried to text them, but yeah, they, I mean, obviously they were in like an important meeting. So uh, all I could think was, in spite, I've never done drugs in my life, guys. All I could think is I must have been drugged. So I texted the last people I remembered seeing, which my amazing friends Bell and Stan saying like I think I'm on drugs or I, I don't know exactly what I said but they called me up and they're like are you okay and I was like no and I told them where I was and they were like we have a friend who lives nearby we're sending him to get you and uh, for, they figured I was on some they're like she just needs to sleep it off and they're like we'll have him take you home and I'm like I don't the best. Anyway, he was smart enough to call a friend who was a nurse. He asked me all sorts of questions. The nurse says, get her to the emergency room. Uh, last thing I vaguely remember is being on, on a chair at the outdoor sitting uh, room because uh, everything's outdoors. And uh, apparently that's when I had another seizure. I don't remember much of the next several days. Um, there, the, 
the person, I feel so bad. Uh, it was not, this was a traumatic <laughs> incident for everybody because it was very confusing. And um, anyway, I had that seizures because my body apparently still has not gotten over its uh, inability to hold on to sodium properly. And finally, it was a perfect storm of <laughs> me not... I, I, too much water and too little salt. I'm I am basically the opposite of everyone else. Uh, all I know is I had a follow-up appointment this month. I, I, I'm so good. My family came out. People helped me. People saved me. I was given my phoenix back because it was my turn with the phoenix, and I will I will give it to the to the next person that needs it because. We all need to come back sometimes. I've sadly needed it several times, but I will keep coming back because I am strong as fuck, baby. Um, guys, seizures are, even if I don't remember having it, they, the aftermath does not feel good. <laughs> Just know that. It's been a, a hard last few weeks. Uh, it was very fortunate that the podcast that came out like a few days before my seizure that I said I might take a few weeks off. Anyway, I really do feel kind of reborn because my memory was so shady and like, when I came back to my life, I was like, oh yeah, that's who I am, that's what's going... Every time I've had one of these things, when I get back to my life, it's kind of like I I am the same me, and I'm, but I'm remembering parts of me, and I'm at the same time, it's yet another time that life has... Uh, if I hadn't been gotten to the emergency room, if if the, everything had not gone right i mean the, the doctor at my follow-up appointment said i read your the transcripts from from the icu you almost died if i'd been by myself having that second seizure who, guys i don't know how i got so lucky anyway that is why this is a new season that is also why i feel like extra goth that's also why i'm the phoenix I pray that um, you guys haven't, uh, that, uh, this, I'm oversharing, but you know, what the fuck is a podcast for if not, you know, oversharing my life? I could be telling you more, trust me. <laughs> That's the abridged version. Let's get into another clue. Why don't we? Because, look guys, we're going to have... I mean, that's why I open things up for, like, this can also just be about goth shit, because we're going to fucking have fun with our lives, guys. You know why? Because we're alive. And I'm grateful for it. Next clue in the who, what, when, where, why. Wine game uh, that is a game. The who, as we recall, was a possibly, but we don't know, probably unfortunate French seaman. Um, the what is luck and happiness. Okay. Let's get into our wine, which, as it happens, uh, was one before I knew I was totally... Well, it is kind of goth because it's, it's a Zinfandel blend. Um, but it's from a woman-owned winery. I believe she works with some other winemakers. Um, this is the Dutcher Crossing 2016 Proprietors Reserve Dry Creek Valley. You guys, that's in Sonoma County. Zinfandel. Um, let me just read you like some things that Dutcher Crosser, uh, Dutcher, Dutcher Crosser, Dutcher Crossing has to say about themselves. Um, the philosophy. Everything we do at Dutcher Crossings begins with the concept of family. Whether you are the oldest or newest member of the winery, everyone's contribution is needed and integral for our success. Guys, if I don't know about everyone's contribution being integral to success from my life, I, ooh, I, I just feel that philosophy. Okay, sorry, moving on. Um, from the vineyards to the tasting room, even though we have all walked different paths on our journey to Dutcher Crossing, we've settled into the family life together. Our belief is simple to be a well-balanced, 
three-legged stool. Leg one is to make the best wine we can, staying true to the vineyard, vintage, and varietal. The second leg is the beautiful sense of place within our vineyards and winery. Finally, our third leg is hospitality. Whether you're a long-time visitor or new to the property, we want to welcome and treat everyone as we would our own mothers. With the balance of all three legs, we create an experience like none other in Sonoma County. Gosh, I want to visit them. Um, let me read you a little bit more about the, the woman who's behind this, Deborah Matthew. <clears throat> When Deborah purchased Dutcher Crossing in 2007, fulfilling her lifelong desire to own a winery in Sonoma County, the operation came with 35 acres and made five wines. Over the ensuing years, Deborah has nurtured a dedicated team of talented winemakers, tasting room employees, and support staff who all share her entrepreneurial spirit and passion for quality. Today, under Deborah's leadership and creative vision, Dutcher Crossing offers more than 30 wines from a variety of wine regions in Sonoma, Napa, and Mendocino counties, and owns 75 acres of estate-designated vineyards. The vintage... Uh, the vintage... Penny Farthing Bicycle on the label pays homage to Deborah's passion as a cyclist, shit, that's cool, and collector, and is also a tribute to her father who encouraged her to pursue her dreams. Um, let's see, what else can I tell you? Uh, I can read you a little bit uh, more. We're going to do this thing where, you know, I just give you the basic details about the wine and then I take a quick taste and cheers you, and then I give you another clue. Um, let's see, I'm looking at the back label now where they say this is 80% Zinfandel, 20% Petite Syrah, which as we all know, if we've listened carefully to earlier episodes, is not a small Syrah grape. It's a completely different grape, but it is descended from Syrah, but spelled completely differently. Okay, sorry. Uh, what does the back label say? Originally a gift from father to his or daughter, the vintage high wheel, oh, about, again about the bicycle. It has quickly become shorthand for Dutcher Crossing's spirited pursuit of quality winemaking. Deborah Matthews' vision attests to the guiding power of her father's imagination and the timeless qualities of an artisan approach to life. Um, oh, I'm not going to read... Well, okay. A rich, opulent Zinfandel Petit Syrah blend, our 2016 Prietor's Reserve is made with hand-selected grapes from our state vineyard nestled next to Dutcher Creek and blended with a small amount of Petite Syrah, aging in 50% new American oak barrels for 10 months, gives this an aromatic bouquet with supple tannins. Well, I'll be the judge of that. La 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 la. Okay, um, I'm going to cheers you guys. I'm going to taste this. We're going to get another clue. Then I'll play the game that's not a game, what's in glass. And then I'll read you their tasting notes just for kicks, and then we'll get on with things. Ugh, we're just cruising through this, guys. And... I'll, I'll stop apologizing for being dramatic early. It has been a dramatic time, and I am a new woman. <sighs> Here's to life. Cheers. Oh, that smells so good. Mmm. Oh, wow. That is something else. That is, that is idiosyncratically... <gasps> A delicious California Zinfandel blend. Um, God, that's good. Okay, well, I'll tell you more about it in a second, but let's have another clue to refresh our memories. The who for this winery, we're going for a specific winery, by the, by the way, guys, this time. The who is a possibly, probably, unfortunate French seaman. 
The what is luck and happiness. The when is 1967, when, when the vineyards were, I believe, I believe it's when the vineyards were planted because their first vintage wasn't until four years later. Um, yeah, because vines usually take a while to get started. <laughs> okay, that's your when. Um, so let's have another, oh God, okay. The game that, that is not a game, but I call it a game because I like games. Um, What's in a glass where I walk you through tasting this wine like I would professionally. So we look at this. It is a deep ruby. Actually, it's not that deep. It's more a little translucent, but it's darkly hued, almost a little bit purpley, but more mahogany. No, this is just like a, a deep red. Um, yeah. But it is rather translucent, like it's, I can see my fingers just barely through the wine, if that makes sense. Like, it's not thick, but it's dark, kind of like a dark, dark night, but it's not foggy. I don't know. Metaphors, guys. Let's take a whiff. Whew, it's super rich. It's like, you smell plums, you smell raisins, you also smell like really fresh strawberries and be pomegranates and like some cherry but also like ooh, just like some cinnamon and clove and like oh oh you definitely get like a little bit of licorice like just a hint of at least some tarragon but a black jelly bean might have dissolved in a barrel of this at some point um a little bit of sawdust just a shy hint of coconut but I might be projecting, no, there's definitely like, it's more like cocoa butter or coconut oil, I would say, rather than like, it's not like the dried coconut. It's like, yeah, it's like coconut oil, actually, I would say. You know, the hip stuff that people were consuming massive amounts of because they thought it was good for their health recently. I don't know, that you see in a lot of vegan cookbooks. <laughs> uh, it goes hand in hand with being gluten-free, I think using coconut oil. Anyway, that's the type of coconut I smell. Let's take a taste and then I'll get into the structure. Mm. Okay. It is dry. The acid I would put at mm. medium. The tannins are also medium. They're silky um they're both ripe and a little green like it's like ripe green tannins if that makes sense normally it's, it's like ripened greens I don't know guys <laughs> that's the best I can put it um the body is medium the alcohol level let's take a guess I think it's kind of high <laughs> mm. feel the burn 14.5 Let's say 14.5. Um, let's see what it says. 15.5. All right. Well, I was giving it the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> um, that's some high alcohol, guys. Um, as it should be with such a ripe, ripe wine. And this wine, the fruit, it does that magical thing. So Zinfandel's a grape that um, ripens unevenly. So... Even if you forget that fact, you'll be tasting and be like, there are raisins, but also, and dried fruit, dried currants, but also there's like a tartness 
and a freshness that's like you get both you're like this was made with both and the reason is because Zinfandel ripens unevenly so they pick clusters that have both dried grapes and slightly unripe or just barely ripe grapes um which really in the glass is just kind of mesmerizing if you ask me mm. flavor intensity is medium plus tart currants tart cranberries Purple plums, dried plums, dried cherries. Yeah, dried red cherries. So much dried red cherry. Um, the licorice, you got more on the nose. Um, you still get the cedar. Need a little less of the coconut, but definitely like the green. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe I'm reaching here, but yeah, it's like some kind of green herb. I mean, people love to say dill for American oak, which there is some on this. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go with dill so much as more tarragon, something in between licorice and dill. It's beautiful. This wine is lithe on the tongue. It's silky as fuck. Uh, the finish. Mm. Oh, and there's just something like not sweet cherry syrup on it. I don't even know. All I can say is, like, get this wine, you guys. I mean, I've had a lot of Dutch Crossing at this point. They're one of the ones I'm a member at, so I get their wines several times a year. Um, all their wines that I've ever had are great. I think the first one I had, I believe, was the Cabernet, a Cabernet blend. Um, I've loved their Zins, their Chardonnays are things of beauty. Um, yeah. Let's see what their tasting notes are, just because, you know, it's fun to see. Um, okay. They say, there's not much held back in the 2016 Proprietor's Reserves Infantile Hall, say. The color's deep garnet hue at the edge, changing into a purple and almost black at the center of your glass. The nose is very expressive. I agree. Um, boosting notes of fresh blackberry pie. Okay, I didn't get that. Ripe plums, yes. Layered with black pepper. Oh, black pepper. Graham crackers, what? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm not getting graham crackers on it, but I will believe it sweet oak vanilla and caramel and baking spices so there is a lovely cooling sensation to the nose as well reminiscent of wintergreen or tarragon guys tarragon <laughs> sorry that's me the first sip builds on the initial excitement of this wine yes it does flavors of fresh crushed blackberries and boysenberries i mean i'm getting more currants and cranberries but if they say blackberries, they can have blackberries. Um, bring a liveliness and balance with great weight and texture, complemented by chewy tannins and a nice drawn-out finish. Pair with dry rubbed baby back ribs, cooked slow and low, on the big green egg, and finished off with a spicy blackberry barbecue sauce. I mean, I, I could see this pairing well with that. I am getting more and more, I, I would say maybe more white peppers than black pepper but god you guys this wine is rich and intoxicating one and i'm done um yeah well duh wine's intoxicating it's full of alcohol <laughs> hmm this is so good you guys get into dutcher crossing if you haven't already believe you me also owned by a woman, uh, woman dimension. Also, did I mention that Zinfandel is kind of a goth grape, you know? It's dark. It's both desiccated and fresh, <laughs> like the scoffs. I'm just, like, really 
um, every time I get reborn again, I get just like a little bit, like I'm more, I get more and more a retired goth because I'm like, life is too short to worry about my black lipstick looking perfect. And then more, I also get more and more into my goth roots just because I'm like, life is full of darkness and also lightness. Hmm. Okay, let's get back to the game that is a game. Uh, if I haven't said it before, who, what, when, where, why, wine is the bones upon which the vegan or vegetarian marrow. I don't think there's such a thing as vegan or vegetarian marrow, um, but the protein of, of this podcast, it, it hangs on the bones. Like, it, they give it structure. And on that structure, I might hang beans. I might hang cheese not made with, um, oh, what is it that, uh, not made with rennet? Is that what it is? It's an animal product. Anyway, um, a, a, an animal product that involves dead animals. Uh, milk doesn't. You can just get milk. This is getting kind of morbid. Um, as I try and think of other sources of vegetarian vegan protein, perhaps the tempeh. Okay, uh, let's have another clue. Remember, your who is a possibly, probably unfortunate French seaman. Your what is luck and happiness. Your when is 1967. Your where is Western Australia, where very little wine comes from, but um, in particular, I guess I'll go ahead and give you the particular of Western Australia. It's probably the first thing you'd think of if you know anything about Western Australia, Margaret River. It's a beautiful appellation. Um, before I give you the why, and as I take another sip of this gorgeous wine, which by the way, I'm drinking this one, I'm using my Zalto Burgundy class because I was like, why not go big for the first episode of my new life and the new season and the new direction of this podcast. Um, you know, if you don't like this, fuck off. If you do, go right and review it. You don't have to fuck off, but if you don't like this, I don't know why you're still listening. Um, anyway, if you go on iTunes, it's super cool if you can leave me five stars. It's even super cooler if you can leave, you know, some nice words. Or at least, you know, at least be my friend on Instagram. I am very communicative. I like talking to people. I like meeting new people. Um, if I, we're already friends, say hi. I've had a weird life recently, and I can use all the backup I can get. <laughs> If that makes sense. Oh my gosh. All right, guys. Uh, let's go to the why. As I said, who? Possibly unfortunate French seaman. I can't say French seaman enough, guys. And that's not just the alcohol talking. Your what is luck and happiness? I'll explain. Um, your win is 1967, when the vineyards were started. Uh, where is Western Australia, in particular, Margaret River? Your why is and guys i just realized that i'm gonna have to actually have this winery on the pod at some point because it's kind of god um you like a wine that has an optimistically morbid name <laughs> okay so if you haven't guessed it the winery we're talking about is vas felix which i just realized i might pause and look up to see if I'm saying this correctly. Uh, it's spelled V-A-S-S-E space F-E-L-I-X. Let me look up really quick how to pronounce that, because in all my research to tell you all these tales, I did not look that up. Hold on, guys. Hold on. 
Okay, thank you for waiting. That wasn't actually all that long for you guys because I paused the recording. Um, well, I'm hearing people say Vast Felix. Um, I'm sorry if this is wrong, um, but I'm going to say Vast Felix. So let me explain all the clues. The um, A lot of them revolve kind of around why it's named Vast Felix. So the Who, the possibly probably unfortunate French seaman, was um, one Thomas Timothy Vass. So uh, he was on a boat that was tasked with uh, mapping the, 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 the shore, the coast of, of Australia, and there was a bad storm. It, it, this was 1801, and he was lost at sea, but they never found his body. So some people were like, maybe, you know, maybe he just went into Margaret Valley and assimilated and like happily lived off lived out his life in this like really cool area which you guys Margaret uh, Margaret River it's part of the reason the Vast Felix started was because they were like there's amazing gravel here and it's a maritime climate you know what that's like it's like Bordeaux uh, so what happened then was that in uh, 1967 uh, our good old friend, that would be Dr. Tom Coolity, uh, decided to plant some vines there. And he named it, uh, so as I said, the Wares, Western Australia, Margaret River. Um, oh, the what? Luck and happiness. So that's, that's the, uh, Felix part. So he kind of, he wanted to be optimistic that perhaps Thomas Timothy Vass was in fact living a happy and good life so he named his winery for a guy who's probably dead that he wants to be happy um yeah probably dead guy that he was like i hope or or, or he, that he hoped that the winery would be happier all the same it's like a weirdly morbid but kind of intriguing but like he wants the best like he's like let's look for happiness but, but let's name it after this guy who let's face it he's probably you know died in the storm it's very weird and very morbid and i like it i also read recently that like australia like we all we all a lot of us uh at least in north america there's like it's it's from a book called the, the hero's journey um yeah, apparently Australia doesn't buy into like hero myths as much, so I'm like, oh, I like this. It's kind of like, I mean, he's not not a hero, but I, I just, what a fucking weird, like, if I was going to name a winery for someone who I'm like, gosh, I hope they're alive, but, you know, I know in my heart they're probably not, but I want better things for my winery. What would I name it? Shit. Um... <sighs> I don't even know. Um, the only like dark people I can think of are still alive. I'm like, maybe I'm like, is this Tupac Joy? Like, I, I don't know. Sorry, that was the first person who like people have conspiracy theories that he's not dead. Um, anyway, huh. I mean, it was in 1801, so Timothy uh, Thomas Timothy Vass is definitely Vass is definitely dead by now. Anyway, I've had Vass Felix before; they make really good wine. Um, so that's why I was like, "The why is you like an optimistically named morbid wine?" 
Um, they make mostly, as I said, Bordeaux blends. Um, so they do a lot of Cab, they do a lot of Chardonnay. Oh, that's not Bordeaux, but yeah, it grows well there. Um, that's more Burgundy. Uh, that's Felix. I really recommend, rec recommend, I really recommend the Cabernet. It's delicious. Okay. That really felt a little off the rails. I don't know if it's that I'm still like recovering from seizures or if it's that I haven't recorded in a few weeks, but I hope that was not too much. Also, I'm still just trying to pick my brain. I'm like, who's a person who we think might not be dead that I would name a winery after? Ugh. Do people even think that Tupac is alive or is it more conspiracy theories about how he died? I don't know. Um, okay. So let's move on to my not a drunk dial, drunk dial for the final five. Cha McCoy, as I said, she's so cool. She is a sommelier. She's someone who leads like wine tastings. You can hear her all the time on the, the Cherry Bomb, uh, 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 Cherry Bomb Radio, their, their podcast. She's their beverage consultant. She just started a wine club she does all sorts of or did before lockdown all sorts of wine events including you'll hear us talk about the communion she can be found well you'll also hear in the interview but uh, you know if you just can't wait well a you could probably just google cha mccoy and you'd find her um i believe her handle is at cha underscore squared um yeah and also, I apologize, I was trying to edit the beginning of this interview myself, and I like totally cut myself off uh, saying hi to her, so it sort of jumps in abruptly, but not before we get to like the juicy questions. So guys, please, please enjoy the fuck out of this uh, interview with Cha McCoy. Go follow her, say hi to me, say hi to her. I mean, she may be too busy, she's... I was surprised she made time. When she made time for me, I was like, John McCoy made time for me? I was so honored, um, and I really hope that I get to meet her in person. Anyway, I am sorry if season five, episode one, is a little weird, but life is weird. You know what's not weird? Well, I don't know, maybe Cha is weird. I don't know her that well, but uh, the, the happiness that she brings a lot of wine people is not weird. It's just good. Okay. Enjoy the interview. Had time to do this because I know you, I, I see you all over the place. So I was like, she's never going to have time for me, but I'm really glad you did. <laughs> um, yes. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Cool. All right. Well, if you're ready, then I will just jump into our final five questions. Yes. Let's do it. Cool. All right. Uh, question number one is just, uh, what are you drinking these days? What are you What are you into? Well, and this is an easy, nice segue to. I'm going to start heavy, promoting. All right. The first question here. Um, I just released my Flight Crew Wine Club subscription. Ooh. So I have been tasting a lot of wines that were related to the October. Uh, month subscription, and the cool part is that I it's like an homage this month to um, Portugal because you know I really originally was going to actually start the first month in September, and it's almost like a RIP to the trip that I was going to. Oh. I had a group of people coming, oh. and I was doing a full 
southern Portugal wine trip. And, it was, of course, because of COVID, is, uh, right. it was canceled. Um, and so it's just, you know, so I was like, you know what, I, want, I still want to give the love about Portuguese wine. And I want that for other countries, too. But I thought this was a cool way. I guess we're all thinking about ways of how to pivot our business yeah. and our uh, structures during, you know, like you want to make everything like quarantine proof, if you want to say so. Right. Um, so I said, you know what? This is a good. You know, I never. I, I did have a wine club previously about two years ago when I was, um, like actually before I actually moved to Portugal, and um, a lot of people was like, okay, well, when do I sign up again? And then I was like, <laughs> like so in this case. I was like, you know what, I need to get a partner that would allow me to do some, you know, ongoing um, collaborations with them for this club where I don't physically have to be in New York to do that. And I found one, and it, hopefully this will, you know, that this is going to work out. But long story short, I'm drinking Portuguese wine. Um, and I just spent last month drinking Portuguese, Portuguese wine. I love it so much. <laughs> yes. So, I was, oh, so we have four wines in the four wines in his box. But the last one I had is a pizza pizza from Alentejo. Ooh! Oh, nice. Oh, okay. I'm so excited by that. <laughs> um, I try and get anyone I can to drink Portuguese wine. So everybody, get her club, drink it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, question number two is: What is either a favorite or just one of the most uh, interesting pairings you have consumed or that you enjoy consuming? <laughs> any kind of drink, any kind of food, whatever you want. <laughs> you know what's so funny? It would be nice if I knew how to say this great, but um, so let me not use that one because no one can't go do like to have that uh, <laughs> moment. But, uh, oh, I know how about this. It's another Portuguese, you know, life in Portugal allows you to, you know, easily become uh, adopted to the to the culture. So I had, um, so many people don't realize that Lisbon itself or Lisboa is its own DOC in Portugal. And so I can take an Uber out to, like, basically one of my friend's vineyards from wow. the city center. So that's also, like, the that's the bonus of living in Portugal, too. I mean, sometimes, to be honest, because the way I roll, I, I'm usually just taking, like, mass transit. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I say that to say in that area, there is a this small, like, it's like in the middle of a suburban neighborhood, like all mm-hmm. these, like, houses back-to-back, you know, kids playing at the playground. But it's kind of one of the coolest restaurants that is the old mom-and-pop feel, and there was rabbit on the menu. And I don't have rabbit often enough, but it was kind of like this orange, like citrusy, glazed kind of version of it, like rabbit meat. It was almost like cut up, if you want to say, um, like a chicken breast. And the pairing that we had, of course, was his wine. Um, so, of course, I'm going to shout out his wine. And um, but it was in a reach is the great A I N T O. So we had a nice a reach. Oh, excuse me, I'm saying a reach. I think it's a blend. Now that I think about it, he also has a um, Finale Peters, which is also like regional as well. But it's either it was either the a reach by itself or the blend of the two. 
But that was a, that's one I remember because I don't eat rabbit often. And then, you know, of course, it's like, oh, yeah, it just tastes like chicken, you know. <laughs> and it's got but, a nice um, ring to it, rabbit and orinto. Like it, it kind of, yeah, you know. oh, no, oh, Nate, so let's just go with that one. <laughs> We're going with branding there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, orinto, yeah, rabbit. That was, that was good. I think because that was sometimes the most memorable ones is something that you just don't have often enough. Obviously, right. I had, you know, amazing the restaurant I worked at in Portugal, we did a, a full 17-course pairing. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I could talk for days about pairing and the type of food that we had there. I mean, I always love a good razor clam and, you know, a Sauvignon Blanc from anywhere usually goes well. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, sometimes the most obscure ones are the ones that, you know, always, you know, melt, you know, it's placed in your memory. Yeah, totally. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, question number three is sort of in reference to, uh, that, that thing I've seen that you do called the communion with, uh, wine and pairing. Uh, I was just curious, did you grow up? Well, I mean, I grew up in like a boring Methodist church with just grape juice. I was curious if you actually grew up with like, or if you currently attend a a church and if you have like wine, wine memories. And if you don't, that's cool too. But I was, I was just curious. My memories as it relates to the church. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that. So I think, yeah, so I so let's go back just to explain to your audience. So the communion is a sommelier-led dining experience. Um, and so the wine pairings is basically, it's the opposite idea of like what you would get at the restaurant. So I realized that as a wine lover, I would pick restaurants sometimes based off of the wine list. And not because I was doing all this extra research, but I would be like, I'm not going there. The wine sucks. Like, you know, that's what wine people do. And so it's just a matter of sometimes I'm just avoiding places that I know that the wine sucks. And you would think that in New York City, how is that possible? But, you know, there's a lot of distributors who are just pushing out wine in my everyday Dining experience. I'm not, you know, eating at Michelin star restaurants. So, so in that oh, case, you're, even, <laughs> so you're talking to the girl who brings wines to Cheesecake Factory occasionally. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I hear so you. I love dining out, but I like dining out on my budget. And usually, those are places that don't have the best wine list. And so, I have to be really like, like picky about where we go or pay a corkage fee. And so, that's almost that's something just to kind of give you an idea, like. Let's do wine dining experiences where the wine, you know, you know, the fact that the wine is going to leave, people will know that the chef had to adjust to the theme of the wine or the taste of the, you know, of the variety yeah. that going to be selected. And so that's been allowing the chefs to be challenged, too, in a way where it's like, oh, no, we're only getting wine from this region of Italy. So you can't get, you know, don't, don't use dishes from Rome because we're talking about the north, you know. And yeah. so people are like, oh, okay, you know, so – that's been very interesting on how how to push the boundaries. And um, I say all that to say about the, like, the verbiage for communion when naming it. I really thought about, like, hey, the first known winemaker is actually, you know, Jesus, right? Turning right. water into wine. And so, oh, my God, and, you're so right. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know if there's, Anybody else that can claim that somebody, you know, and you don't have to be religious. This is a, like, this is a written fact, right? Right, right, right. 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 So <laughs> is there anybody else that we know of who actually, like, written down 
as a winemaker. Of course, they have the gods, et cetera. And I think that's the thing is like it depends on where it gets religious, like on who you, which religion you believe and what you follow. Um, but as someone who did grow up Christian and um, is literally, you know, hearing about like Jesus is human, you know, <laughs> he's yeah. you know, in the flesh and he's turning water into wine. It's like, you know what? That's, we're going to go up that route. And I love the always the idea of the the paintings that you always see um, or the fresco if you're in Milan of the Last Supper. And so just the idea of the long table and knowing exactly what you said, wine is on the table, bread is on the table, whatever else, who knows. But all you need is that to kind of like give a party is what I said also. <laughs> and so um, it also gave me confidence because um, even though I know how to cook, I wouldn't call myself a chef. And I didn't know when I first started these events on if people would come for just the wine and without having food because I actually didn't have food at first. And it actually just started out like that in my house with um, a few people with me having just wine and, you know, some uh, aperitivos, you know, small bites and um, cheese plates, et cetera, and then eventually started adding on actual chefs. So that's kind of like the longest short about just like what, the communion is, just to get people background before I answer this question, <laughs> the communion itself, like what does communion mean to me or as far as why experience? I went to Catholic school my oh. entire life, and my family is not Catholic at all, on either oh my side, gosh. my mother or my father. So, you know, when my friends who were Catholic, because that's why they went to this school, their parents were Catholic, they were going through, like, their first communion and things like this. And I was like, like, I was learning about it, but I couldn't go through it because I was Baptist, basically. And so, and we don't have that. So my mother was very, like, like I, I was really like, oh, so when am I ever going to, like, taste the wine, you know, like the right. blood, you know. <laughs> I remember being <laughs> very confused because they were, they were taking communion at, a, at an early age, and because I wasn't baptized yet, I wasn't able to. And so right. I was like, I'm, so now I want to get baptized just to take communion. To be <laughs> and so I remember one day, and, you know, I think God is going to forgive me for this, I asked my best friend, I was in elementary school, I told her to, like, go up and save everything for me. So she didn't take the, she didn't drink it or take the bread herself or the wine. She went and picked it up and it brought it back to the pew for me to, like, actually have the communion. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> I, look, that's, I just said, oh, my God. <laughs> because I don't think I've ever, no one's ever asked me the question about, uh, like, having communion or something like this. So, so, so that's you're the only one who got that one. You, I you love and God. Oh, <laughs> that is a great story. I, I, I love that. And my feeling about I, I'm not particularly religious myself, but when I go home, I will go to the church I was raised. I'm like, I'll take, I'll take a blessing. I'll, I'll take that. I'm, <laughs> I'll like, take I, I'm like, oh, I'll take it. <laughs> um, right. And yeah. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Cool. Okay. Uh, next question. It's funny you brought up Italy because I had read that you you study you got your MBA there, and that was one yeah. that was from what I recall one of the places you started to get into wine. Um, yeah. I was curious if you if you have any particular region or type of wine out of Italy that you think either either that you particularly love or that you think people should know about or just uh, yeah any particular part of Italy that you have a fondness for or that you'd like to 
speak to. <laughs> I guess I love whites from like northeast Italy. So mm-hmm. Trentino, um, Veneto, you know, I think that when people think about or Friuli, um, yeah. I think that a lot of people just, when they think of Italian wines, I think white wines because of Pinot Grigio come to play, but, and of course you can find Pinot Grigio from all over Italy. But I right. need to tell people if you want Pinot Grigio, I, I would put them in that also IUJ region specifically. So I usually, even if I don't know the producer and I'm in a new wine shop, I'm usually like game to, like so excited if I find one that's a good quality. Um, you know, from what I'm reading on the bottle or whatever, and then um, really excited if I know it's from that region. I usually take, I can walk into that blindly and feel confident about that Pinot Grigio. And I think that's something to to just mention simply because people think of Pinot Grigio, like some of these larger, more well-known grapes and international grapes, a lot of people just kind of like take for granted, like, oh, yeah, they're the same everywhere, you know? <laughs> and but yeah. then there's some areas where they're really special and they cost maybe a little bit more than like, instead of getting it for like 10 or $8, you're spending 15 or 20 Um, that I would definitely tell consumers who are listening to kind of like really pay attention to those specific regions. Um, And that's the cool part of like knowing wine professionals because they're like, yeah, don't have shard from anywhere, have shard from here. Um, And same thing for Pinot, uh, Pinot Nero, I would say as well. I've always loved Pinot Noir from um, Italy. And I think there is, this summer doing all these virtual tastings has been nice to kind of um, kind of play around with my audience. They don't usually mm-hmm. know too much about some of these other, like they may know Pinot Noir, but they wouldn't really think about a Pinot Nero. So, so we'll, we'll taste them back to back to get like, what's your feedback? And then we may throw in there a third version that's like German, just to kind of like <laughs> throw people all the way off and like, what a German Pinot Noir? Like why am I doing this? <laughs> And I think that, that allows people to kind of explore the grape and, you know, if you're a Pinot Noir lover or if you hate it, you know, see it from a different lens. So I love doing that with Italian um, and with uh, Northeastern regions since it's so close uh, to Germany and Austria. So you actually have these influences that they have on spot Burgundy, et cetera, um, on the, the making of um, those styles. But for something that's like totally like, I don't want to say unique, but maybe the average person wouldn't know to look for. I always go for, like, I always say you're always safe in Italy if the grape begins with the letter V. So <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> some of my favorites are Vermentino, Vaspiola, um, Verdecchio, you know, like, I, I just kind of, like, tell people to go in this route, and you usually safe if, if it has the V. And I think I that those it. ones you usually don't see, you know, in like the average, you know, like, you know, if you have a small wine selection at a restaurant, yeah. so maybe they won't be there. You have to go to a place with a larger list or maybe it's a Italian-specific restaurant um, in an, a real, like, wine shop, you know, instead of, like, a liquor store. They would have, they would carry those. So, so yeah, so that's... Mm-hmm. You know, I could talk all day about Italy, but if we want to keep it high level, follow the V's. Follow the V's. Yeah, and don't be afraid of a little, you know, Pinot Nero or Pinot Grigio for Northeast. I think that's a cool corner to kind of explore a little bit more. 
Awesome. If I can throw in a V, it's not a grape, but, you know, I always got to love the Valtellinas. <laughs> Valtellinas, Valtellicella. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so many good Vs. Okay, guys, so all the Vs. But <laughs> now I'm making you a believer as well. You are. You are. I'm like, no. The rule of thumb. I'm like, I need to go wine shopping after this. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. We are on to the last question, which is the same question I've been asking every guest on this show since the beginning of, of the show, uh, which is not necessarily uh, wine-oriented, but we just uh, like to end up with asking people what's bringing them some joy these days, what's bringing joy into your life. You'll be happy to know, and as well as to sound like other people uh, on Cherry yeah. when I did a live this week. Um, I had mentioned that in the beginning of quarantine, uh, I finally, let's just say, to be honest, I finally made enough coins to buy myself some expensive skates. Um, oh. And so I, I'm going to just say out loud, right, you know, for the record, because you're going to date, you're going to date stamp this, that I'm not very, I'm not a good skater. But I, every time I look at these people gliding on Instagram, it makes me believe <laughs> I can do it. Like, for some odd reason, I feel like I can do it. So I ordered some skates in May, which, you know, it feels like death that I had to wait this long in <laughs> to get my skates because a lot of skate companies, because people were just locked at home, everybody that sold skates or bikes come to find out now. I have a bike, so that's the reason why I didn't, <laughs> I didn't look that up, so I didn't know that the same thing happened, but... Skates were sold out no matter what. Oh, my no, God. I don't care what you put in Google. Like, you could put in, like, toy stores. You could put in skate shops. You can put in, you know, the brand, the company goes straight to the um, – people were calling names like, we don't have any. We don't have any. No wow. one has skates. So I'm, I know I'm not the only one who was quite obsessed with it this summer. So I would say right now the thing that's – I haven't had it long enough to say it's been bringing me a lot of joy, but I finally got my, my whole my, – my knee pads and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and they came in in August. So that's what's bringing me joy is knowing that on the weekend I always, I'm like now kind of like no matter what's going on in my life, please put aside a couple of hours um, at – the minimum of just trying to, you know, just get comfortable on the wheels. So, Amazing. Um, so I hope by the time you see me on when you see me on Instagram and I look like I've been doing it for years, <laughs> say, you know, Chad told me when I talked to her uh, in October, she did not, she was not uh, that good. So you will know that that shows that's gonna be a, um, you know, proof of how much I've been practicing. And I can't wait to watch. Are we talking? Skates or blades or yeah yeah quads yeah four four skates yeah, nice four, yeah. oh I can't wait yeah. to I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you you may have to hold on for a while but you know okay. so <laughs> it's interesting based on what other people been saying to you can know the personality of a person I like from what they responses because uh, you can tell I must love a challenge because you might want to find something more relaxing and easy to do. And I'm like, no, I know what I'll do. I'll take on something completely new that I have no idea how to, you know. <laughs> and, and I'm not scared of skates. So let me just say this. I'm not nice. starting like, you know, I'm not like walking like, like a scarecrow, scare, like a zombie, but <laughs> I am walking. I'm, I'm just like the little kid that looks like when they're at the ring that they're willing to throw their whole body out there and fall. Kind of, I got that look. Yeah. You know? So I'm just the one that's like rebel, 
and street skating is completely different than being in the ring. You know, it's not oh as God. especially in New York City. So, um, Ooh, yeah. So it's a little. <laughs> so as much as I think I probably am better than the way I actually have been looking, but this is my first time doing it on the sidewalks of New York. Oh yeah, that's scary. Being <laughs> in, yeah, an actual skatering where everything is glossy and nice for me. I usually I, I can survive. I don't gotta touch the wall. I'm good. I can go around a few times. But I'm not sexy with it at all. I just usually just do the basic like, you know, <laughs> skating. But um but I'm gonna master it. So I'm I'm very happy about having um uh, my skates and I'm pumped. <laughs> That is awesome. I will. I will look forward to uh, to to watching that. And yes, you are very brave to take it take it on the side. Like, ooh, there's there's cracks in streets and hills, and uh, but I can't wait to watch watch the process go. Um, so those are our final five. I just uh, if you want to tell people where they can find you or follow you or or watch you skate or. Anything like that before we before I send let you let you get back to your get back to your day. Uh just wanted to give you a chance to do that. Um Yes. Well, everyone please come come, come roll on over <laughs> to um uh, on Instagram. I am Cha C H A underscore squared S Q U A R E D. Um and then like if you go to my website, you will find everything else. If you're on Facebook, it's the Cha, it's Cha Squared Project. Um, I'm never on Twitter, but I, 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 think I, I think I created the account in case people tag me, literally. But, uh, but other than that, my website will give you all the details for joining me and the wine club um, flight crew. And I'm very excited to release that because the intention is, like, just how do we get people – you know, as you know, I I am I've considered myself the traveling sommelier, so I love doing events in different countries and working at restaurants. Now that I have the restaurant in Portugal underneath my belt, oh, and so it's nice cool. to be able to kind of like talk from the experience of being on the floor and working events in around different cultures with food from different cultures. Not from like I live in New York and I worked at a restaurant, and then here and there, it's like I I literally went and worked with this uh, um, chef in Madrid for this communion event. So I know one of the from, you know. So it's nice to be able to have that global perspective and having the flight crew up and running. Um, I hope that is a way to encourage people to travel. And hopefully once we're able to travel, they can travel with me or I can help them, you know, like bridge a um, – bridge the gap between them and what's the best winemakers to visit if they were going on a trip on their own. So all of those resources will now um, move forward underneath the flight crew, whether people are under the membership program or not, but at least people can kind of get to know wine in a more, you know, travel perspective. And, and I think we all know, we talk about France, right? We talk about these places when we're drinking wine, but it's usually from a technical perspective when you're in the industry. Like, oh, right. we're talking about microclimates and things like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Maybe like, oh, this is great, but, you know, what's the best restaurant next to that vineyard, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. Like, some people just need to know, like, practical things, too, not just a – you know, uh, understanding what's going on, what's the atmosphere, like, oh, just, oh, I didn't know there was a beach in, uh, <laughs> in San Sebastian, and the Bay of Biscay is beautiful, and it's like the perfect place to visit, like, that's why you're going to come to Cha 
because I'm going to tell you all the spots, you know, um, and make sure that you're down. So all that information, if you want to just kind of hire me to help you put that together or just want to be interested in purchasing those wines with us and doing the virtual tasting, is right on my website. My name, C-H-A-M-C-C-O-Y.com. Sean McCoy. Thank you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And I, oh my gosh, I'm like, someday we're going to be drinking together in Portugal and having the V's in Italy. Yes, yes. But in the meantime, yes. I'm glad we could talk on the phone. And yeah, everybody go follow Cha. And Cha, I hope the rest of your day you get a good skate this weekend. And thank you so much for taking part in this. Thanks, Ellen, for inviting me. And I'm glad we finally <laughs> made this happen. Totally. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, you take care. Bye. Bye. Glass. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with my pH. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with minute I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee mate. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a sommelier. been a boardwalk audio podcast for more information and shows visit boardwalkaudio.com don't forget to rate and subscribe now